Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Superwoman Wellness, where on every episode of the show, we are determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Joining me today is a very special guest. I am so pleased to have on the show with me Sahara Rose. I have seen her name, as I was telling her, in so many different circles, and I'm thrilled to finally get to meet her. She's the host of the Highest Self podcast, is ranked as the number one top podcast in the spirituality category on iTunes, and she's the best-selling author of Eat, Feel, Fresh, and the Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. She's been called a leading voice for the millennial generation, leading us right into the new paradigm shift by Deepak Chopra, and she loves to make spiritual and Ayurvedic wisdom fun and relatable so that she can serve the needs of today's people. Welcome to the show. Thrilled to have you here. Thank you for having me, Dr. Bhatia. It's an honor. Well, I am a fan of you, and I'm actually a huge fan of Ayurveda. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, I am from, or I have an Indian background as well. My parents are Indian. And I picked up a little bit of Ayurveda growing up, but didn't truly understand it until I started having my own health issues. And it was such a such an irony probably is the best word and much to my mother's chagrin i finally understood why so many of the things that she was talking about or we had grown up with were relevant to our health and i know this is something that you believe firmly in but i'd love to know about your journey into ayurveda and how you even picked this system of medicine to be your passion and the place you chose to spotlight Absolutely. Yeah. I don't think any, you know, healer went into it because it was a fun and sexy topic. I think we all went into it because we needed the healing ourselves. So that's what started with my own journey as well. Growing up, I was very overweight. I ate a lot of junk food again, wanted to fit in with American culture. So I became addicted to the Kool-Aid and, and that led to me having really bad allergies, asthma, not being able to play outside as a kid. And eventually when I was a teenager, I really wanted to lose weight and feel comfortable in my body. And that's what led me to start practicing yoga, which led to me starting to be connected to my body. And then I started to kind of learn about just clean eating in general. And I became more and more interested in nutrition. And that led to me becoming a raw vegan. And here I thought, you know, raw veganism is is the ultimate panacea. If, if eating junk food is the unhealthiest thing you can do, then being a raw vegan must be the healthiest thing that you can do. So I began on this raw vegan journey. And at first I felt amazing because I was, you know, taking out a lot of the foods in my diet that weren't serving me. But after about eight months or so, my health started to deteriorate. It started with just having really, really bad digestive issues that every time I ate, I would feel so sick. I would have to be lying on the couch and in so much pain. And then a lot of my hair was coming out. And then I was just like losing a lot of weight, but not, not, look, not in a good way. And then I would constantly get injured. Anytime I would do exercise or something, I'd injure my ankle, I'd injure my wrist. I would start to faint. So I would, anytime I'd exercise, or even if I'd just get up too fast, I, I would faint all the time. And I noticed I stopped getting my period. And I thought, well, oh, whatever, it's, I don't even like my period. But after a couple months, a year, two years of not having a single menstrual cycle, you know, obviously there's something wrong with my body. So I went to many different types of doctors from, you know, endocrinologists to gastroenterologists. And I also had insomnia and anxiety and all these different issues. And they just kept prescribing me more different medications. So take this IBS medication. I was 21 years old and I got a blood test. Yeah, that showed that I had zero estrogen in my body and a little bit like 
for uh, testosterone. So basically my body just stopped producing hormones and I was in going into perimenopause. That's why I was experiencing all of those symptoms. And the cause of it all was not something external. It was me just living out of balance with my body. And from then I um, began studying nutrition and I learned more about Ayurveda. Again, I also had heard of it, but I didn't take it seriously at all. But finally, when I when I took a dosha quiz and I read about vata and I started to read everything about it from bloating, gas, constipation, amenorrhea, anxiety, insomnia, but then also my personality, like creative, thinks outside the box, visionary, likes to start a lot of projects, maybe has a hard time finishing them, maybe gets really overwhelmed. I was like, this is my autobiography right here. Like I can die. They can just like read this at my funeral. So I, for the first time felt so understood and I began to incorporate Ayurvedic practices, but with a modern approach, because as you know, a lot of the Ayurvedic stuff is very old school and not really created for today's population, considering they didn't have refrigeration back then. Um, so quickly I started to notice more balance in my digestion, in my mind, my period came back and I saw that this, there really is something to this. And I've been on a journey of spreading it, writing books about it ever since. Oh my goodness. Such a parallel journey to mine. It's amazing. I mean, I also in my twenties, that's when my health crashed. I went seeking answers, studied so many different systems of medicine. Ayurveda was a big part of that healing journey. It wasn't the only story for me. I did a bunch of different things but respect so much and admire uh, Ayurveda. I've included it in so much of what I do. Like even I wrote a book in 2017 called The Superwoman Rx, and we talk about typing people. So instead of talking about Pitta Vata Dosha, we merge that information with the Chinese medicine meridians, with conventional medicine, with hormone patterns and created power types. How would you, because I still find this today, ironically, but how would you to somebody out there listening or watching us today, how would you describe Ayurveda to them? I think it's still not gotten like the press maybe that Chinese medicine has has had or functional medicine has had. It's still a little bit of the, the hidden stepsister. How would you describe it? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system and the sister science of yoga based on the mind-body connection. So most of us, we nine out of 10 Americans has practiced yoga today, but most of us are practicing not actually for yogic reasons, but rather for Ayurvedic reasons. So the word yoga means to yoke. It means to become one with Brahma, universal source consciousness. So it's a spiritual practice. That's really what yoga is. You go to India, you say, I want to practice yoga. It's going to be this big fat guy, like, okay, yeah, let's go. Like you're going to sit and you're going to breathe. Like that's what yoga is in India. But but here we're going because we want to get more flexible or we're anxious or whatever the physical or mental issue is. And that's actually all under the umbrella of Ayurveda. So Ayurveda, I think of it almost like a predecessor to yoga, because how are you going to become one with the universe and transcend the physical form when your back hurts and your period is out of whack and you're worrying about all of these different things? It's like when you're sick, you can't, you know, be like, I want to be my highest self. You're just focused on how can I get better? So Ayurveda is saying, how can I balance the mind and the body through nutrition, self-care, daily practices, seasonal eating, etc. So then I don't have to worry about my body and then can truly practice yoga. So true. I mean, I think people will try so many different wellness strategies, but the basic chemistry, the basic essence of who they are has not been addressed. You know, in Ayurveda, I mentioned power types. You talked about doshas. What, what's a dosha? What is the most elemental way to describe a dosha? What is that? And why is that important? 
Yeah. Well, I've seen, I've seen your book and I was like, this is kind of like Vata, but a little different. So I was definitely seeing the, the parallels in that. In Chinese medicine too, you know, in year 800 AD, Chinese scholars came to India, studied Ayurveda, and then later created traditional Chinese medicine. So it is still a five elemental system. They've changed it with the wood and the metal. And, but a lot of, you know, the fundamentals of an energetic health system based off of the natural elements is, is eternal. And you see that in many different cultures as well, from Abyssinia and Persian culture to a lot of shaman and Toltec practices, etc. So it's almost this like universally downloaded system of healing that we've then added our our cultural interpretations, which are always changing according to what the population needs, which is why I think right now Ayurveda is having a renaissance because we've tried the one size fits all approach to health and it hasn't been working. So we're realizing, okay, there, there's something to understanding how my body is different. There's something to these doshas, but maybe it's not exactly how they said. And that's why people, the work that you're doing is so important to say, how can we bring these practices, but actually see what's happening today so they can actually help people instead of just like sticking true to how it was written thousands of years ago when it might not apply to our GMOs, pollution, uh, health crisis, all of the things that they didn't have to deal with even a hundred years ago. Yeah. So the doshas are, yeah. So the doshas are, it means energy. Dosha is energy. It's the energy types. So there are three doshas comprised of the five elements to make it easy. We'll just talk about the main one. So vata is air, pitta is fire, and kapha is earth. So vata, air, pitta, fire, kapha, earth. We are all a combination of all three of these doshas, but in varying amounts. So you were born with your own constitution called your prakriti, your natural born constitution. So someone may have been born primarily vata, secondarily kapha, lastly pitta, or whichever order. And then in your life, because of your diet, your stress levels, environment, etc., these doshas shift and they can come out of balance. They can become excess or too little. And these create imbalances in our bodies. So when we're practicing Ayurveda, when you take a dosha quiz, what you're seeing is the one that you are the highest in. So the fact that you're super high in it means that that's the dosha you need to pacify. You need to bring it down. So when I say this is good for vata or pitta or kapha, what I'm actually talking about is it's reducing it so you can then come into balance. And it's going to look a little bit differently for each person. So we can get into what the doshas are, but I think it's really important because a lot of people read about Ayurveda and they're like, I'm not sure if it works for me because I can relate to all three. And we're all going to relate to all three, but it's knowing which one am I the highest in right now so I can pacify that. I think that's such a great point. You know, when I wrote the Superwoman RX, um, so many people said, well, which one am I? And I kept trying to stress the point that you could be any of them at any given time in your life. Like there may be a phase of your life that you're very Vata. There may be a phase of your life that you're very Pitta. You know, there may be a phase that you're very Kapha. We as women in particular, we will kind of flex and flow between all these different types. And then the other big sort of stereotype that I've noticed that I find so interesting is that everybody thinks Vata is long and skinny. Pitta is sort of like the muscular build and then Kaphas are always overweight. So even in practice, where we do a little bit of Ayurvedic diagnoses in the uh, patient rooms, people will be like, I'm not a kapha, they're overweight, you know? So talk to us a little bit about each type 
And what are the real characteristics of each type? I don't think they're, you know, at least my understanding is they're not necessarily tied to weight and height. You know, they're tied to so many other factors. Yeah. So you'll see the doshas in, in anything. So you'll see it in someone's face, you'll see it in their body, but really what is important is where is it bothering you in right? Where are the symptoms? And that's really what's important. I think just like you said, we're always trying to be like, which one am I and put ourselves in this box, but we can have the symptoms of any of them at any time. So that's, even if you feel like, well, I'm not really a heavier set person, you could still have the profit imbalance. So Vata is air. So if you think about qualities of air, if they're going to show up in the mind and body. So if I said, oh, Dr. Vata, that girl is so airy. What do you think that she is like, her personality? Like she can't focus. She's not like with it. She's like, la, la, la. Like I think butterflies. So totally a butterfly. It's so, it's so airy. It's so moving. It's, it's almost fragile. So we can think of airhead, head in the cloud, space cadet. We have these words in our English language. And we can imagine this airy person is probably really creative. They probably have a cool fashion sense. They're probably always like doing the new thing. So we have this image in our minds and that is essentially what Vata is. It's up, it's up in the air and that allows you to change. That allows you to be flexible. That allows you to see things from a higher vision, have that bird's eye perspective. So Steve Jobs is a very good example of a Vata because he was able to foresee a world where we had, you know, these phones in our hands that control our lives and, you know, how very Vata of him. And then on top of that, we can see his physiology, that he's tall and he's thin and he's lanky, which means he was born very Vata as well. On top of that, we know he was a raw vegan. He named apple after apples. We also know he meditated in the Himalayas in India. How very Vata of him. So he's like textbook Vata right there. And we've seen his movies and we know that maybe he wasn't the best with like human connections and stuff. He was a strong visionary, but he didn't have that. So we could see he was lacking in his kapha. He had a lot of bots and it was really pushing him through, but he didn't have that kapha ability to connect and also to connect with the body. And that's later, you know, what led to his death. So that's just an example of someone who's super, super, super Vata, but it allows us to see what are the parts of me that are airy, that are creative, visionary, ever moving fast, but also maybe anxious and scattered and overwhelmed and starting a lot of projects and not finishing them. And then how does that translate in the body? Well, it's air. So if I was like, oh, Dr. Vata, I feel like I have a lot of air in my stomach. What do you think that means? Uh, a lot of abdominal pain or bloating, or you're eating the wrong food or not eliminating properly or any of those type of things. Exactly. Bloating, it's air, gas, air, and then constipation. It's, it's cold, it's dry. And those are the qualities of the air. So we're going to show up with these symptoms in, in our bellies, which is what I see the most common with like health conscious women, because all of the foods we're told to eat are Vata increasing foods, smoothies, salads, raw, green juice, celery juice, it's all enhancing the vata. And then we're going to soul cycle and, you know, doing so many things and multitasking and it's all enhancing vata. That's why we see so many bloating, gas, constipation, amenorrhea, which is not getting your period, or maybe just very far apart periods, light, dark red periods, um, feeling cold all the time, feeling like you have dry skin, dry hair, hair is falling out. These are all symptoms of Vata. So think air. 
Do you see this a lot in your own practice? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. And I've, I have a certain amount of that, too. I'm a blend of two types, but I have a certain amount. And yes, we see that. And I would add from the medical standpoint, those are typically the medical issues, like the strengths or the creativity and the innovation and all that. But the medical issues are often anxiety, trouble with focus. Uh, these are some of the things I see most commonly uh, with those that are Vata. So yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, anxiety and insomnia, because if you think about it, if Vata is air, when it's cycling so fast, that turns into a tornado and then you're not able to control your thoughts. It's that energy of like a panic attack. And what you have to do is you have to ground. Yes, you have to eat more root vegetables grown under the ground. You have to do more oils, especially sesame oil, more cooked foods, stews, things that like come in the fall season. If we think about the fall, it's vata season. So we need the pumpkin, we need the squash, we need the broths. That's really what's going to nourish vata. But a lot of vatas, myself as well, I, I was like, I don't want to feel heavy and eat heavy food. Like I want to stay light and airy and bouncy. And it was perpetuating imbalance. Right. So do you do, so do you recommend most of your vatas? One of the things I'll often recommend is that they internally oil too, that they eat more fat. Like they'll have, you know, have olive oil, have some ghee, have some coconut oil. These are things that help you and help with the grounding and help with being less airy. So that's one of my favorite recommendations for somebody who is Vada. What would you say to somebody out there who's like, wait, wait, I'm Vada. I, I think this is me. Would you have an additional tip or recommendation for them? Yeah, definitely. Anything in the category of sweets. So these are fats. These are root vegetables, carrots, beets, sweet potato, whatever it is. These are like grains. So having quinoa or if you eat rice or whatever it is, cooked foods, curries, adding spices, warming spices, ginger, cumin, coriander, things that stimulate the agni, the digestive fire. These are all going to be very beneficial for vata and then staying away from anything that's cold, raw, dry. So don't do the kale chips and the granola bar and the cold smoothie with the ice in it and the iced fruit and eating on the go. Yeah, I know. And it's, and it's you know, in, in Ayurveda, the more out of balance you are, it's like a pendulum that the more out of balance you are, the more you further crave the foods that knock you off balance. However, when you can shift that pendulum, maybe at the beginning, it feels like ugh, forceful. But when you shift that pendulum, it becomes so much easier for you to eat the foods that bring you back into balance. So maybe you're a vata, you're like, I literally live off salads. There's no way I'm going to stop. Maybe you just start adding some sweet potato or cubed squash in your salad. And then from there you add, you make maybe a fall salad that's all warm and cooked foods. And then maybe from there you have it warm. And then maybe you have it with a soup on the side. And you slowly start to transition yourself into these more vata balancing foods that suddenly these are the foods you start craving. That makes so much sense. Now, what about the pitta folks? That's another dosha, right? And I have quite quite a bit of pitta in me as well. So talk to us about what that type is like and what they need to be thinking about. Yeah, so pitta is fire. So if I told you, oh, Dr. Bhatia, that girl is fiery. What do you think she's like? I don't know, maybe a go-getter and super ambitious as I'm sitting here wearing red today. <laughs> so gravitating towards red and oranges, orange colors. And uh, yeah, just I I think commander, boss, go-getter, uh, just on, on fire, doing a ton of stuff. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this girl is on fire. <laughs> totally. And that's what it is. Fire is the energy of transformation. It can take it can take a house and burn it into ashes. It's that strong Durga Kalima goddess energy that's just like fierce and ferocious and goes after what she wants. So we think about that CEO, the entrepreneur, the athlete, um, the manager, someone who's really making moves. I think of Jennifer Lopez as a very good example of a Pitta. So she's, you know, I think, I don't know, in her 40s, maybe 50, but she's going harder than ever before. She looks amazing. She doesn't stop. And every single one of her songs is called like Fuego, like Fuego Volume 7. <laughs> Fuego, Fuego. <laughs> and she's a Leo. So it's like all this fire. But that's just such a good example of like, you don't want to mess with JLo. Like she'll give it right back to you. But also she really goes after what she wants and, and has a loving heart. So that's an energy of Pitta. But, you know, sometimes life doesn't go your way. I don't know, maybe someone else listened to this podcast. It's happened to you before. And life doesn't go your way. And how Pitta responds is to snap and to get angry and to get like, I have this schedule. I have this plan. Why aren't you respecting my plan? And they put so much energy and deliverance into everything that they do that when people, you know, maybe just cancel on them or flag or just don't take it as seriously, they get so angry because it's all this fire within them that's erupting like a volcano. So that might be literal anger, but it could just be like getting annoyed by people, feeling impatient, feeling like I want this to move faster. Why isn't this happening? So we see in in the world as a society, we're very pitta imbalanced. We're honking at people. We're in a rush all the time. Um, and it's making us really step into this shadow side of pitta without that that empowered side that builds you up for it. And also we're not all pittas. We're not all here to just like do, do, do. So it can have those those two sides. And then how it manifests in the body is is like, like fire. So if I told you, Ooh, I feel like I have a lot of fire in my digestion. What do you think that is? Reflux, heartburn, you know, uh, pain. Again, the belly, just a lot of rumbling in the belly, you know, but those are things I think about. And I know pittas have a lot of digestive issues historically. That's where they hold their stress, right? Each dosha will have a different type of digestive issue. So with pittas, exactly what you said, it's acid, heartburn, um, ulcers, that's all related to, to the pitta dosha. And as we know, heat rises up the body. So anything that's like a skin imbalance, um, is, it means that your body is agitated, it's irritated. Anything inflammatory is pitta. So for example, when I was trying to go boxing and drinks, you know, the spicy ginger thing and coffee and all this. So your body will respond. You can't turn your to another dosha. You have to really own the dosha that you are. And especially because our society is already so pitta, let's have that pitta imbalance. And what we need more is the cooling, the hydrating, the calming through our lifestyle and, and through our diet too. What are just a couple of things for anyone out there listening today that you would tell them to do to calm their pitta down or to cool them down? If somebody out there is like, I'm pitta, I know I am, you know, what would you, what are two little hacks that they could use to really help themselves? Pitta's cooling. So for example, things related to coconut are very cooling, coconut oil, coconut water, coconut milk, et cetera. 
Whereas having more cooling foods in general, leafy greens, herbs, fruits, not at the same time, but fruits are very good for pitta imbalance. Staying away from anything that's spicy, that's too stimulating. So feel more pitta. You feel more energized and more on the go and more ready to take on the day. And it's the opposite of what you need. And what is it? It's acidic. It's acid in your system that's already super acidic. So staying away from the Thai and the Mexican takeout and the coffee, the garlic, the onions, the tomatoes, these foods are all going to make your pitta go further out of balance. And they're probably the foods you want if you are out of balance, but having more bland, simple foods, like staying away from all those spices, just some herbs and just like enjoying the flavors of that food without feeling the need to spice it up, that's going to be really balancing for Pitta. So we have just a couple more minutes, but I definitely want to talk about kaffas and what you recommend for them and what, like, first of all, how would you identify yourself as a kaffa? How would you describe them? And then what would you, same question, what would you recommend for them? Sure. Yeah. So Kapha is that earth energy. These type of people really keep their cool. So everyone around them could be freaking out and they are just very grounded and anchored within themselves. So I think of Oprah as a very good example of a Kapha. We all love Oprah because she has this ability to sit and hold space. And that's that energy of Kapha it listens to you. So that Kapha energy is that rock for everyone around you. And then you end up saying yes when you really meant no. So then you're holding on to all this energy, which makes you feel stuck and lethargic and heavy, which makes you emotionally eat because you're giving so much energy out. You want to take energy back in through emotional eating, especially carbs and sweet foods, which increase Kapha. Definitely see it happening to mothers, see it happening to nurturers, anyone that's a nurturer, any of those women, I call them earth mamas in the Superwoman RX, any of those women that are like centers of homes or communities or families, we see that in a lot of them and they get very depleted and very drained. And a lot of times that will show up as excessive weight, you know, and that's a big challenge for many of the kaffas that I see. What would you tell a nurturer out there today, someone who's very kapha, someone who's whole space, uh, takes care of everyone else? What would you tell them if they were sitting in front of you at the moment? I would tell them to stimulate. Maybe you go to a Zumba class or you go to a shamanic, you know, shaking session or breath work, getting out of your routine, getting out of the same old, spicing things up. Amazing. Well, Sahara, uh, you've given us so much great information about Ayurveda. I think, you know, for any of you out there who've been curious about this oldest system of medicine that is out there and has so much healing power and so many great secrets for health. If any of you are curious, I encourage you to maybe take a look at what some of Sahara's work, how would they get in touch with you, by the way? And what's the best way for them to stay connected to you? So they can head over to my website, IamSahararose.com. And there's a dosha quiz right there. So if you're still like, not sure what my dosha is, there's a quiz right there you can take. And I give you free uh, videos and a little e-course on how to really work with Ayurveda in the modern day. And my Instagram is also IamSahararose. I follow you on Instagram, so I know all about that. Well, thank you so much for taking time to educate us all about Ayurveda. And if you guys want more information, I encourage you to follow Sahara. You'll learn so much about Ayurveda and how to make this very old system of medicine, one of the oldest systems of medicine out there, more practical, more modern, and really apply to our lifestyles today. So I hope you all found this helpful. Thank you for listening to this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Remember, we're on Spotify as well. And if you like this episode, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. 
I will see you all next time.